So today we're talking about about brotherly love, and uh, and we're starting a new sermon series on communicating for the better. We're talking about how we're going to be able to communicate as a church or as family or as or as whatever our video shows us. You know, just a, a great example of how to not communicate with brotherly love and uh, and how that doesn't work or how it has worked in the past. And so that's uh, that's the the purpose of this. We're going to be going through four different types of communication. We're going to go through communicating in love, communicating um, communicating in fear, communicating in conflict, and communicating in dreams, and uh, in some order. And so that's, uh, that's where we're going. Our text for today is kind of unique. We're using Romans 16.16, 16, which I've never heard a sermon on. Romans 16.16 16 says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now let me pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. And sometimes there are random passages that show up at the end of letters that um, we just kind of ignore in our culture. And we kind of just go, oh, yeah, that was, that was a cultural thing and whatever. And, and God, today I just pray that as we dive into your word and get into this single verse text, that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our actions to allow us to be people who represent your kingdom in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today's text can trigger a lot of different responses. Um, There's definitely a response going on that's like, where is Pastor Rob going with this? We've got greet one another with a holy kiss. What are you saying? Um, It shows us the space that culture has created between individuals. In our culture, we actually have a, a huge private personal space bubble in comparison to previous cultures. That's just something that, that is a reality in, in our culture. And, and so we've, we've created it by our understanding of autonomy, uh, individualism in Western culture. And, uh, and so we're like, okay, that's, that's one direction that we could be going. Um, it highlights uh, sexual tension in our culture. So every act of love in our culture tends to be a, either a parental act of love or a sexualized act of love. We don't have great categories for the expression of love towards somebody that's not, um, that is not a, a romantic partner or a direct child-parent relationship. And so that's something that, that we're really you know, we're really working on and or that we're going to work through and, and it's not biblical. So I'm going to reduce a little bit of the tension right now. Today, we're talking about brotherly love. We're not talking about kissing each other, okay? So I just want to reduce the tension right at the beginning. We're not talking about kissing each other, but I am going to push some of our, our cultural stuff um, and what it looks like in our context. So... We're going to talk about love outside of the romantic and the parental. 
and we're setting some boundaries for Promise Church to exist in a community that's representing God's vision. What does it look like? And I hope that by the end of the message today, we'll have a fresh perspective on how we do um, fam familial love inside of people that aren't our family. We've got this, or phileo love, this brotherly love in people that aren't our family. So I have a whole bunch of stories that I'm really um, excited to tell, and, uh, and we're going to get into that. So if you have a question or a comment or rude innuendo, you can type it into your, uh, type it into your tablet, and I'll get to it right at the end of the message, and it will be just part of our conversation. So once again, greet one another with a holy kiss. I'm just going to start off with a context. The context is at the end of the book of Romans. Romans is Paul's first major attempt to bring together all of his theological ideas into one letter. And, uh, and so it's a big deal, and he's just writing through his whole, like, here is my theological treatise. This is what it is. Many people in our church tradition have said that the entire canon, the entire measure of Scripture is found inside of Romans and Furthermore, that the canon inside of the canon would be found in Romans chapter 8. So it becomes a very important Christian book. And at the end of the Christian book, at the end of this, we see Paul writing, greet one another with a holy kiss. And we're like, what is going on? So this entire book of Romans is all about fixing one main tension, there are believers who are Jews, and they know the way things work. They've got everything under control. They would be the equivalent of us. We are the believers who are Christian. And what's happened inside of their social structure is that a whole new people group has been invited in by a great message a good message that says that Jesus is way more inclusive than one people group. And so the challenge that Paul was struggling with was very clear. The Jews and the Gentiles, or in our context, the churched people and the people that don't go to church, were mixing like oil and water. They were not integrating well they were really having a problem with how do they come together without, um, without tearing each other apart. And so the whole book of Romans is dealing with what does it mean to come to Christ? How do you act once you've become a Christian? And do you have to go so far as to following all of the basic rules that the Jews had set out for them? Where's our balance? And that's what's going on in Romans. And at the end, he's like, greet one another with a holy kiss. He's saying, here's your job. After all of that speech, here's your job. You come together, you greet one another. And so we, we understand that it's about this invited into being an equal place at the table. So how you communicate that invitation of being integrated into a new community, how you communicate the invitation is so important. The use of the holy kiss was, was 
a symbol. It was, it was something that was like, okay, this is separate from the normal. Greek culture was a very sexualized culture as well. So it was, it was separate from the sexualization of the interaction. It was a holy kiss. It was meant to be like, you are included like a family member. You are included and embraced the way that I would embrace my grandpa when he comes over to my house. I'm going to embrace and include you. You're included like a family member. And that became very, very important. So how we get invited in really matters. There's, there's three quick stories that I want to tell you about being invited in. And, uh, and I hope they resonate with you because this is, this is going to be really important. The first time that I remember being invited in was after I had gone away to camp. My first overnight camp, I was away for a week, away from my home for a week. And when I came home, um, I had missed my birthday uh, while I was away. And so nobody really paid much attention to my birthday, and it, but God did. That was a really big birthday for me. But... Um, I had come home, and when I came home, the way that I was invited back home was so valuable to me. In fact, it's so valuable that I remember it all these years later. When I came home, my family was waiting in the living room for me. They were excited to see me. They hugged me. They were like, we missed you so much, especially my sister, for some reason, got really sentimental. She's three years younger than me, got really sentimental. She's like, we missed you so much. And then they took me up to my bedroom where they had bought me a huge piece of artwork um, that was of like some trees, in a mountain, that piece of artwork still hangs in my office today. Um, it's now my TV room. It hangs in my office today. And that was a huge sacrifice for them because we grew up poor and that was a, it was an expensive piece of artwork. And so it was a huge sacrifice, but they had gotten together and they had purchased this for me and I knew that I was welcomed home. There was an invitation into being integrating back into the family, and it was monumental for me. It was huge. The second one is I bicycled across Canada, and while I bicycled across Canada with a friend of mine, it's kind of isolating. You're kind of alone. You know, me and my buddy, he keeps on almost getting hit by Mack trucks because he kept on driving out into the highway, which was stupid. Um, but you're kind of alone, and you you're driving through these towns that you've never seen, and sometimes the towns are 150 people, and it's like, okay, this is isolating. It takes six and a half weeks, but every single Sunday, we would go to a church, and we would find a little church inside these little northern churches, especially in northern Ontario, because Ontario, I don't know if anybody's gone west out of Ontario. Ontario's huge. It's halfway to BC, once you get out of Ontario, you've already gone halfway to BC from here. So we would, go to, we would go to these churches, and we would be invited in by the pastor. The pastor, he's, he was a different pastor, every single church, obviously. And, and they would invariably invite us in and talk to us. And, and, uh, and we just felt like, oh, there was always a centering point. I am part of the Christian community all across Canada. And, uh, and we would accidentally get asked to speak on the spot, and you're like, whoa, okay, we just biked in here. And they're like, oh, you, you guys like ministry? You could speak. Oh, thank you. Um, but then when I came home from that trip, I, I lived alone. And I came down into my basement apartment, and uh, I was alone. And I was like, oh, this kind of sucks, anticlimactic. Um, get home from a great trip across the country and come home to an empty apartment. And I was like, ooh, 
wow, God, please send Valerie into my life. Um, <laughs> and, and so I w- I tr- it, it was a struggle. That was hard for me. Not being invited in was very hard. And so I, I went back to my place of work, which was at Upper Canada Mall, and this was interesting for me. I stepped into the mall, and there's a convenience store that was right on the right side of me. I knew the worker in the convenience store. I step in. He yells from behind the kiosk, Rob, how you doing? Rob, well, how was your trip? And I was like, whoa, hey, how are you? And I just started talking to him back and forth. I walked to the next store, and the people were like, hey, Rob, how you doing? Good to see you back. And I was like, whoa, did not expect this. As I walked through the mall, there were multiple people that I'm connecting with, and inside of me, I went, I'm home. And then I looked at, and I was like, I'm at Upper Canada Mall. I feel dirty. (laughs) This is is wrong. (laughs) There's something wrong about this. But there was something about being home when I walked into Upper Canada Mall. And, and then the third time was, was after eight years, I'd left the church that I'd grown up at, and, uh, and I had come back just to go to a service, and the amount of people that looked at me with shock in their face, and they came over and they embraced me, and they were like, Rob, it's good to see you. How you been doing? And the church itself looked exactly the same. The service was exactly the same as what it was eight years ago before I left. And, and so you get these, these moments where the welcoming matters. Has there been a moment in your life where the welcome communicated something really important? Has there been a moment in your life that you could think of where you're like, how you were received changed everything and it, inf- and it influenced you? Has there been a moment in your life where your welcome disappointed you? And those are really, really good questions for the church to go over. Brotherly love is a marker for the church. So Hebrews 13.1 says simply this, let brotherly love continue. Again, we're at the end of a, of a huge theological treatise, and the author says, let brotherly love continue. So what does it mean for us to have brotherly love? I'm going to suggest that our greetings are, import, are an important element of how we display our love. The way you greet somebody, the way you actually, your reaction to them when they first enter into your periphery matters for how you're communicating brotherly love. The reason we have good community here is because we greet each other well. We have a break time that allows for these continued extended greetings because that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. When you're touching base with somebody, all you're doing is you're doing an extended greeting. And it's very important. One, one translation puts our main verse, um, Romans 16, uh, 16, It puts it as, greet each other exuberantly. Use exuberance in your greeting of each other because it communicates something important. So another another verse that we need to consider is, "By by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, John 13, 55. So how we communicate love for each other is getting lost in our world. It really is. You know, I remember the first time, the guy that I biked across the country with has been a friend of mine for a long time. You met him two weeks ago. His name is Dan. And uh, he preached the sermon here two weeks ago. And Dan and I were the two people that bicycled across Canada together. 
And that, you become pretty intimate when you bike across Canada together. Like we, we shared a tent, we made all our food together, we did everything together 24-7 a day for a long time. And we've been close friends before, for years, and after till now, which is lots of years. But the first time that I was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to try something new in our friendship, I was like, man, I love you. Holy awkwardness. Holy awkwardness right there. Because you're just like, w- there's a brokenness in our culture to communicate genuine love. Let me tell you that if, if Dan were to leave my life completely, there would be a gaping relational hole in my life. And so there are people that we love that we don't love romantically, and we don't love because they're part of our direct family, but we genuinely love them, and in our culture, we're getting really confused because we don't have a proper means to communicate genuine love for somebody outside of our family that's not a romantic, uh, a romantic person of interest. So, so we get very confused and we start categorizing things under romantic categories that need not apply because we're so confused about love itself. So this is, this is a very important um, element of, of what's happening. So love is an action that starts with our initial expression toward the other. It starts with our expression, what we do at the beginning, and then we carry it through in a compassionate means, in a caring for the other means. This is what we do. This is love. And so we do it, even self-sacrificially, and we say, I am going to honor you. I am going to love you. I am going to serve you. I am going to be with you. I am going to listen to you. And we invite all of that in our initial communication, in our initial engagement that says, I am, I am there for you. One more verse, Thessalonians 4, 9 to 10 says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers through Macedonia. But I urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. You're communicating this love. So my point is that it, it starts off with our initial, but then it continues on. It continues on in how we express our love. So I'm going to touch on three ways that we're expressing community, uh, that we're expressing brotherly love together that are so important for how we communicate. So the first way that I want to, um, that I want to bring out is something that I call reliable presence. Um, reliable presence, no, nothing, nothing says I love you more than your consistent presence, your consistent engagement in something. Nothing says I value this more than you constantly being there. I learned this the hard way. I graduated something in my life. I graduated high school. It was awesome. I was like, oh, it was my first ever graduation because I didn't graduate grade eight somehow. Don't understand it, but whatever. It didn't happen. Um, I graduated high school, and there I was as a high school um, graduate, and I did not go 
to my graduation ceremony. I didn't go to my commencement. And I thought it, I didn't go because I didn't think I was valued. I didn't think I was going to get anything out of it. I didn't think it mattered. They were going to mail me my diploma anyways. And so it didn't matter. Three weeks later, I saw people from high school, and they were like, man, you weren't at commencement. And I was like, you weren't even my friend. Why did you even notice that I wasn't there? And what I learned was that my presence isn't just for me. What I experience isn't, soul isn't solely about me getting something out of it. My presence was an expression of my value in the other people in the community. My lack of presence affected people that weren't even my friends. Because they were like, you didn't value this enough to even show up. You didn't value it enough to even be present. You didn't value me enough to be there. Wow. When I recognize that, it changes everything about the social communities that I'm involved in. It changes everything about my perspective about church. Because what I realize is I realize that when I think, oh, I'm not going to go to church because I don't feel like it. I'm communicating something about the value of everybody else who's at church. And I'm saying like, you know what? You weren't really worth seeing right now. When I'm invited to a party, this was really interesting for me. When I'm invited to a party and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so awkward. I don't even want to be there. I don't know what's going on. What I realized is that if I am not there, I'm actually saying you weren't important enough for me to put on my calendar. Holy cow. I've never thought of it like this before. You weren't, you weren't, you didn't register. I didn't, I didn't find a time. Maybe, you, maybe you're not available to go to a party. That's cool. I'm not saying you have to go to every party. I'm not saying that you have to be at church every single week. What I am saying is understand that your reliable presence is communicating your love. It is communicating your affection. What you put your affection into reflects in how you're spending your time. And so recognize that your decisions are not just about you, that it's like, no, you're going to, you're going to, uh, your presence communicates your love. The second thing that communicates your love is a genuine greeting. Romans 6 is actually, Romans 16 is a really boring passage that most people skip. It's like the, the end conclusion thing. It sounds something like this. I'm not even going to read it all. Greet Mary who has worked hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Genea, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me. Greet Amplitaeus. I can't even say that. My brother in the, my beloved brother in the Lord. Okay. It's boring. It's boring. But the way you greet each other communicates indifference or disdain or love. The way you communicate. I think of a time that I, uh, that I got home one day when I still lived with my parents. And um, I was in trouble. I think I was in trouble. You know why I thought I was in trouble? Because when I walked in, the greeting was cold and hard and like nothing. And I was like, oh, shoot, I'm in trouble. 
Anybody ever got greeted like that? You know, maybe, maybe back in your life you got greeted and you're like, something's wrong. Well, it turns out I actually wasn't in trouble at all. It was just my mom was in a bad mood. But this, the way you communicate, she didn't mean to communicate that I was in trouble. But the way you communicate your greeting lets everybody know how you want to be treated. It gives the signal right away that says, this is where I'm at right now. I'm either, I'm, I'm not interested in you. I'm not, whatever. And when we do this as a church community, this is what we do. And I've seen this. I've not seen it here, um, but I've definitely seen it. I've seen it in pastoral communities a lot. What you see is you see this like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm going to, you're my friend. I'm going to greet you. Hey, how you doing? How's ministry doing? And there's somebody else over here that never once gets greeted. And that person that's in the corner over there that never got greeted, yeah, they're feeling like a pile of, because they never got greeted. And so they never, they were, nobody ever paid attention to them. Worse when that happens at church. Worse when it happens at church, when, when someone's come in and they've had a rough week and they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm just, here to, I'm just here to come to church, and they're greeted with indifference, man, we communicate terribly when we miss on that. As a church community, we communicate terribly if we miss on that. So let's not miss on it. Let's not miss on it. Let's greet each other exuberantly as though we were greeting with a holy kiss. And the last one that I want to bring up is um, remembering details. When I just read this little passage of Romans that was boring, all Paul is doing is he's remembering the details of who is there, who's present, who matters, what's going on there. He's remembering the details of previous conversations. Guys, when we're greeting, some of us only see each other once a week. Sometimes we, you might see each other midweek, but generally the rhythm that we have is once a week we come together as families who are uniting together to meet with God. We come together and we meet. We communicate brotherly love by our greeting and by what we remember. So if you're weak on the greeting part, okay, cool. You know, maybe that's your personality and that's fine. Then you could compensate in another way. You remember the details. Remember the details of what happened last time you interacted with that person. Remember the things that they said about their life. Remember the observations that you're making about these, these people. You know, what, what you see about them. Was there something that changed about them? Did someone, did someone wear something that's not their normal style? You know, did somebody do something that isn't in the normal means or the way? Um, did something happen? Take notice of it. Observe the details. We're talking about communicating for the better. When you observe the details about somebody else, you communicate that they matter. So important for how we communicate socially with each other is this brotherly love is built by how we remember the details. You know, if, if somebody got a haircut, call it out and be like, excellent. You know, be like, this is great. If somebody, if somebody is wearing, you know, maybe pajamas, <laughs> it's awesome. And it's like, yeah, this is so good. Or if somebody's wearing a jacket, because frankly, I don't care what you wear to church. I just don't. But notice it. Thank you. But, I, but notice it. 
notice it and remember it and just be like, hey, that was lots of fun. For example, the person that wins the coolest footwear today is Colleen, by far, by far. She's got really cool footwear. And so you, <laughs> you remember the details because they matter. This is how we build community and show love. We show brotherly love by greeting each other with exuberance. How are you? It's good to see you. I'm so happy that you're here today. Oh my gosh, way better than, oh hey, how you doing? You know, I don't want us to be a superficial community. I believe that we are not. This is just a reminder for us. So I'm going to take, um, I'm going to take some messages some messages here, and uh, I'm going to pull down. Oh, my goodness. There's like, okay, three showed up. Great. So the first one says, would it be fair to say this is an issue, an issue resulting from a social construct that affects men more than women? I'm going to suggest that it's fully North American. Um, our greetings of each other, if you look at European cultures, the European culture still greets with a kiss. They still have PDAs, public displays, displays of affection. You still have this, like, their personal bubble is smaller than our personal bubble it is. Our personal bubble in Canada is huge. Because I think what we do is we consider the square kilometers of our nation, and then we divide that by our total population and say, that's how much space I should have. C.S. Lewis in The Great Divorce actually pictures that as the expression of the deepest parts of hell. Just saying. Um, the, the complete isolation. So is it, a, is it a gender issue, male, female? I think it, it pervades in the males in North America, but sociologically it's a cultural thing um, in that we're Canadian. Uh, that, that matters. Okay, the second one is, I think it could be more difficult for men to share that brotherly love with other male friends. Our society doesn't have as much of an issue with a woman friendship using loving terms to speak of another, but for men it could be difficult because society frowns upon it. Again, the male issue is here, and definitely in terms of language, yes, this is true. A woman can communicate I love you to another woman easier than a man can communicate I love you to another man, even when it's not romantic. I think that that's true, but I think that a lot of times when I've observed uh, women communicating I love you to another woman, I've seen that being very superficial and not carry a lot of meaning. I've actually watched grown women say, I love you to another woman, turn around, walk into the other room, and slam that other woman, right? I've watched that happen, and I, I don't think that that is very rare. So, yes, in language, there is a gender difference, but in terms of genuine depth of real brotherly love or, or love that's, that's not between a family, I do believe we... we lack in it. We don't have a good category for it. And so I want us to be a church that says, hey, we're going to make a category for, for love. Um, last one here says, oh, it's not showing. There we go. There it is. Okay. Uh, Matthew 6.1 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This goes for time priorities as well. We show up for the things that are important. We absolutely do. The things that are important to us, we show our love by being 
faithfully present, and I appreciate that. It's so, it's so true. So um, as Devin and the worship team come up, I, I just want us to, to sit on that for a second in terms of how we're communicating love to our broader communities and even in our families. This really does help in our families as well. Communicating a genuine greeting when your kids come home, you know, that really matters how you greet them. It matters because it tells them about their value. It tells them about who they are. Communicating to your spouse when, when your spouse and you meet up again and that initial greeting affirms that deeper connection that you guys have. These are means that strengthen us as a community, as a community in simple communication because isn't that what community is built around? Community is built around communication. So let me, uh, let me pray and then we're going to sing together, which is another act of community. God, I thank you so much. I thank you that your word, even in the verses that seem like they're so obscure, like greet one another with a holy kiss, how could that ever be applicable? God, I, I, I pray that as we bring that into practice of, of greeting each other and, and with exuberance and making, making that uh, cultural push against where we are as a culture um, into being more inclusive, God, I pray that as we do that here at Promise, that we would see the, the mixing, the bringing in of people who, who don't know you, that, that they would come to know that, hey, this community is a community that actually loves, and that they would know that you, that we are your disciples because of our love. And so, Jesus, I pray that, that it would be genuine and true in this church. In your name, amen.